0: message this morning is going to be called Mission Impossible. I want you to think, I want you to go back with me, and I'm going to have you move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, just back and forth just a little bit in the beginning here, but I want you to go to Second Kings chapter 9, and I want, you don't have to go in the Bible there yet, but we're going, to, we're going to be there shortly, but I want you to just get the picture of, of what's going on. Elijah, the, the great prophet of God, has just uh, encountered Jezebel, and she has, she is just, she's, she's got him on the run. Here this, this man of God is all of a sudden uh, in fear of his life. He says, you know, God, just take my life. He's, he's, in, that, he's in that situation. It looks like an, an impossible situation for, for anybody in, in, in what's going on. Because here you've got a, a, a country of probably 10 million people who have all bowed their knee to, to Baal. And there's only 7,000 of a remnant that's left. So just think about that picture just for a minute. So I was thinking about Jezebel and I thought to myself, what exactly um, is going on here? Jezebel exists because those in authority have allowed it either directly or indirectly by a lack of taking spiritual leadership or authority. Actual authority steps aside. King Ahab stepped aside. Relinquished authority assumes legal authority in the absence of real, real authority jezebel employed her own prophets jezebel had them eating at her table jezebel's authority and power is given up as given by what we give up see jezebel the spirit of jezebel is quite different from any other spirit that there is out there in fact i would call it kind of like a master spirit it's more intelligent more cunning than any other demon satan's smartest and most cunning evil spirit he has this is jezebel I don't believe that it's it's got a gender, it could be man or a woman, and I don't want you to think about it today in light of any type of a person. I want you to think about it in the light of of what what's going on in the church today, because Jezebel influenced this country not by coming in with horns and and uh, and being you know dark and everything. she came in masquerading with light. see. How could this people, this is what I was saying to myself as I was thinking about this message. How could, how could this nation, 10 million people of God, all, these are God's people. How could they be so deceived? How could she gain so much control? This was a chosen people. They would not have allowed wickedness just to come in and just sweep them away. It had to be something more, dis, more distracting more deceiving than anything we've ever seen before. Israel is a type of the church. So how does this apply to us today? I want you to move with me to the New Testament just for a minute. I want you to think, because I was thinking to myself, well, Lord, how how does this Jezebel, how does this, and I don't want you to get focused on Jezebel, but I just want you to see what's going on in our world today and how it applies to what's going on in 2 Kings chapter 9, okay? Jezebel. So I went to the New Testament, and the only place I could find was this. In Revelations 2.18, this is the New American Standard Bible, it says, And to the angel of the church of Thyatira, I write, I know your deeds, I know your love, and your faith, and your service, and your perseverance. Now, I want you guys to think about those words. Love, faith, service, and perseverance. That your deeds of late are greater than they were at first. But I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bond servants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat food sacrificed to idols. What is this Jezebelian spirit that is in the church? See, this is what alarmed me. You know, a lot of times we, we hear the sermons about losing our first love, about God spewing us out of his mouth if, we, if we're lukewarm. And, I, and, and those, those two churches seems to be the focal point. And I haven't really looked at Thyatira very much. So I went into the, to the, to the uh, commentaries on this, and I said, you know, what is going on here? What's going on in this church? Because it says they had love, they had faith, they had service, they had perseverance even. What's going on with them? And almost without exclusion, many of the commentaries talked about a word called antinomianism. I thought, man, what is that? I've never even heard it. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to find out about what it is. Thank you, Mike. I don't feel so bad now. (laughs) But it wouldn't surprise you would surprise you that godly men of the past A.W. Tozer, Charles Finney, D.L. Moody, Charles Spurgeon, John Wesley, George whitfield all knew about antinomianism. And why are we today, we have lost it. Why we've never even heard of it. The, Greek, the, the word comes from a Greek word. And it puts two words together, and it's anti, anti, or opposed to, nomos, law. The word nomos, Romans 3.31 says, "Then do, do then, we nullify the law, the nomos, by, faith, by this faith. Not at all. Rather, we uphold the nomos. That's where that word is found in the New Testament. What does it mean for us? See, I, was, I thought to myself, okay, so God has a problem with the church that loves, that's that's faithful, that's persevering. Their their deeds are better in the end than they were at the beginning. What is going on in this church? But the two Greek words together mean anti-law. You know, we're not bound by the Mosaic law. We're not bound by the ceremonial laws. But God gave us a moral law that we are always to hold on to. He told us that that law would never go away. In fact, I believe in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, he talks about how he wrote it on our hearts. So no longer will we have to worry about it just being the Ten Commandments. But he says, listen, I am going to inscribe this in your heart. I am going to ascribe this into your mind where it is something that you you take with you everywhere you go. The, The New Testament, in the King James Version, in some of these newer versions, there's, uh, the word nomos is used, and it's actually unnomos, meaning anti-law. It's usually tra- translated with words like this, iniquity, wickedness, unrighteousness, and transgressor. But see, that really doesn't give you the, the idea. That they're too vague. The New American Standard Bible does a little better job of translating it. In Matthew... Chapter 7, verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many, now I'm going to just stop at this word, one, this Greek word here, many, is multitudinous, plenteous, great in amount. Ten million Jews, only 7,000 still faithful. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers, you, you who practice anomia, lawlessness. Thessalonians, he talks about it like this. Actually, there's another. In, 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 verse, in Matthew chapter 24 He says, at this time, many will fall away. This is talking about us in our time right now. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and many will mislead many because lawlessness. See, and there's a lot of versions that don't use that word there. But that's what he's saying. Lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Thessalonians. He says it like this. Paul says, he says, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. That's the same word. I was, I was astounded. You see, I've seen all these, the, the translations don't give us what they're really saying there. He's saying, listen, this is what's going on in our world today, lawlessness. And it's not just in the, the world, it's in the church. Because the, the church at Thyatira, he's saying, this is what I have against you. You have tolerated lawlessness. You've tolerated teaching about lawlessness. First John three four says, "Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness." Same word again. Titus two fourteen he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Second Corinthians. We've, we've, we've heard this one many times where it says, you know, what, what, what do uh, righteousness and, and unrighteousness have? But I want you to look, this is the actual, the word again, it's used. Don't be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? So the, the, the idea, what I'm getting at today is this. Is there, I believe there is a, a spirit of compromise that has come into the church. This is I'm not talking about the world. Paul is not talking to the world. John and with Jesus talking in Revelation, he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. I believe there is a spirit that has manipulated that has has brought about a false grace that makes us feel comfortable, wants us to feel good about where we're at, but we're still going to hell. See, there's a grace today that wants to make you feel, that wants to pat you on the back and say, you'll be just fine. You just keep going the direction you're going. When God say, no, listen, I am looking at your deeds. I am going to judge you by righteousness and, and godliness. I am going to judge you by lawlessness. If you're walking in lawlessness, this church at Thyatira, you know who came from that, 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 that city? Was Lydia, the, the dealer of purple. See, Thyatira sat between per- Pergamum and, and Sardis. And in this city was, it was a, a guilders type of city. And what happened there was that they, they came together as groups because what they were going to do was sell their goods. And so if you didn't conform to what they were doing by doing these things, by eating food sacrificed to idols. See, and, but see, then we go back to Galatians. Well, didn't he say we were okay? To, we're free from that? But now he's saying we're guilty because we've done it. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a spirit of lawlessness. If we, you know, we don't need to be so close to the, the I don't want to be so close to the edge that I'm always tipping over. I don't know if I'm, if I'm in God or if I'm not. I'm, over, I'm d- bouncing back and forth because, well, I, I can do this. You know what? If, you, if it's gray, then move over here. Don't bounce around close to it. If it's a gray area, then run from it. See, God wants to pull us back to himself. Jezebel has killed all the prophets. She's killed Naboth, her neighbor. She She has instituted pagan worship, lawlessness in Israel. She has promoted this. She's threatened to kill Elijah. And now he's desperate. He feels alone. Jezebel orchestrates attack when weakness is smelled. And I tell you today, that that verse in Thessalonians is the spirit of lawlessness. There's the actual word there in the Greek. There's this. It's like an energized. It's an energized lawlessness is already at work in our world. Mission impossible. See, but Jesus said this. Jesus looked at them and said, with the man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So here we got Elijah, he's, he's, he's feeling like he's done, he's, he's, he's had it, and Jezebel's got him on the run. The spirit of Jezebel is, is destroyed by three things, the anointing of God, the unity of God's people, and no compromise, exactly where you guys are going this week. I did not know this when Pastor Mike asked me to speak. I I saw this message, and I'm like, Lord, I did not know that this was what he was going to be talking about. I'm telling you this week, that right now, God is calling this church. God is calling this body of believers. He is calling you to to come after the anointing of God, the unity of God's people, and no compromise in your life. Anytime anytime revival comes, it always comes about when people begin to walk in holiness. They begin to, to come together as one. Look at the day of Pentecost they were in one accord the bible said they had separated themselves from the world they wanted the anointing of god and that's what came on the day of pentecost they poured god poured out the oil of, of god upon them and that's what empowered them for, for righteous acts second kings chapter nine it says now elijah the prophet now remember elijah he's moved out of the picture elijah has come in he's got a double portion Now, Elijah, the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, gird up your loins and take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. And when you arrive there, search out Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, and go and bid him to arise from among his brothers and bring him to the inner room. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, thus saith the Lord. I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and run. One, one version says, it says flee there, but run says run. The anointing of God is represented by the oil, the flask of oil being poured upon him. He is told, he, he is bid to rise up. I'm going to tell you guys today in the spirit realm, God wants us as men and women of God to rise up, He's 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 right now. He's he's saying, listen, it's time for you. You know what? You've been settled a long time. You've been sitting in a pew for a long time. He's saying, you know what? Now is the day. I want you to rise in the spirit of God. I've been saying it to my spirit. In fact, I was thinking about it. You know, that that there's that verse that says that we're supposed to go into the world and we're supposed to, uh, make disciples but then he also tells the disciples he says i want you to to heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers and he he keeps saying raise the dead to me and i thought lord i haven't seen the dead raised he says yes you are greg you're about to see the dead raised you're about to see men and women of god come alive in the spirit you know what? that is raising the dead just as much as it is bringing a physical one to life i'm telling you god wants to raise people right now in this hour he is saying listen i want you to walk in the spirit of elijah I want you to walk in the spirit of John the Baptist. I want you to come to life in the spirit and understand that God's about to do something in our midst. We are living in a day when we have never seen the likes of what's going to happen in our present day. It all begins in the secret place, in the inner room. Matthew 6, 6 says, but when you pray, he doesn't say, if you pray. He says, when you pray. He doesn't say, if you fast, he says, when you fast. Our lives are going to have to be marked by prayer and fasting. If they are not, God's calling us. Maybe some of you go, you know what? In fact, I was speaking on this on Tuesday night, and some people came up to me and said, you know what? This is exactly where God's been calling me to be. I'm telling you today, God's calling us to live a fasted and prayer life in the inner place, in the secret room, in in the inner chamber where we've never been before. He's saying this, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That Hebrew, that That Greek word there means, it's like an inner room. It's a secret chamber, a closet, a granary, a barn. He's telling us this. When you pray, you go into that place. Leonard Ravenhill says it like this. He says, prayerlessness is sin. And Samuel agreed with that. In 1 Samuel 12, 23, he says, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. See, I'm going to tell you guys right now, if we aren't praying... For our brothers and sisters, the persecuted church in Syria, in Iraq, in Iran, Sahid, our brother Sahid, who's in Iran in an Iranian prison. If we are not praying for them, we're going against what the Bible says. Hebrews 13.3 says that those who are in prison, he says we should act as though we are in prison with them. That's how we should share. He says he even begins to say, he says, if those are suffering or persecuted among you, you should take that upon yourself and you should walk in that too, knowing that, you know what, you're sharing in the sufferings with them. God's calling us to a lifestyle of prayer. He is calling us to a place where we pray without ceasing. And that word means no unnecessary delay. So what does that look like? It means this. I pray when I get up. I pray before breakfast. I pray before lunch. I'm not talking about God is great. God is good. Let him think, let him think for this food. I'm not, taking, I'm not saying, let me lay me down to sleep. I'm talking about you getting a hold of God. The God who created this world with a spoken word. When you know who he is, when you have experienced him in the secret room, you will be able to change lives around you because God is moving through you. I'm not talking about presence when we pray. I'm talking about his presence. I'm not talking about what I can get. I'm talking about what I can give. I'm not talking about living, but I'm talking about dying. See, this week, when you guys begin to pray, I want you to understand, you're not saying, God, I need this, I need that. You say, you know what, God, what I want is your presence. What I need is your presence in my life. It's not about what I can get. It's what I I can give to you. When you go into that secret place, when you go into that chamber over here, I want you to think about it. You know what? You are going to the Holy of Holies. You're going into the inner room with God. That is where God will meet you. You know what he says? If we cry out to him, if we diligently seek him, he says he will reward us. He's calling us to that right now. Paul said it like this. He says, I die daily. When we go into that secret place, it's where we die. This flesh dies. I come alive in Jesus Christ. You guys, I'm, I'm looking across right now. I'm, I tell you right now, there are people in this room that are going to come to life in the spirit. God is going to raise you up right now in this hour. You are going to become a prayer. Maybe you know what? Maybe you haven't been in the past. But you know what? He's about to do something supernatural in you. You are going to become a prayer like you have never seen before. You're going to become an interceder. You're going to become a praiser. You're going to become a worshiper. You're going to become a man and woman of God like you have never experienced in your life. Your calling, your anointing, courage, and strength is found in the secret place. That's where you will find your strength. It is not by running around, going to glory conferences. Don't worry. I mean, that's a good conference we're going to, okay? But what I'm saying is this. That's not where it's found. It's found in intimacy with God. See, we look around the world, we do all these things that we, we, we clutter our lives with all kinds of stuff, all kinds of devices. We want all this stuff. And God's saying, listen, what I'm really wanting from you, what I'm really desiring of you is you just to come in, come in and close that door with me, get alone with me. In, 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 in Jehu's life here, it says in verse two, it says, make him arise from his brethren. Make him rise. I'm going to tell you right now, the, the, the first thing that has to happen is a spiritual awakening. This only comes from God. It does not come from man. God enables us. You know what? We are totally depraved before God. He brought us into salvation. He is the one that empowers us for life. He is the one that awakens us to the spirit of God, if we will but let him. He is awakening us in this hour. He's saying, listen, prior to you entering the secret place, there will be a getting up and a leaving behind of this world. If you really want to know this secret place, there's going to be a getting up. You're going to have to rise up. You know what? Many of us have sat on the couch a long time. We sit in front of the TV set. Oh, but I was listening to Christian TV. No, no. God says, listen, I want you to get into the secret place with me. I want you to get into that place. I want you to go inside that door. I want you to close that door. And I want you to get alone with me. I want you to know who I am in this place right here. Get get alone with God. Get up and get alone with God. Let the world go behind you. Let it pass behind you. You know what? People who have been in the secret place, don't worry about challenging what we can and can't do in the Lord. People who've been in the secret place don't worry about that. They don't even worry about the grave because all they can think about is God. See, many today would prefer an intellectual knowledge comforted by what we know. See, we'll study the Bible. We'll eat it. We'll devour it. And we love that knowledge that God gives us through the word. But would you rather have a tour map Or a tour guide. See, see, many of us we read the road map. We love the road map. The roadmap's good, but there's things you'll experience when the tour guide shows you the intimacy things of God, the deeper things of God. I love this word. I devour it. I eat it. I love to go into the Greek. I love to go into the Hebrew. I love to just just spend time in it. But you know what? I want the Spirit of God in the secret place just as much. I can't just have one. See, there's a teaching now today that says that this is the only thing. But I'm going to tell you, there's a a bringing the two together. The Word of God and knowing Him in the secret place. Why not have both? Why not have both? Time in the secret place, it changes us. It empowers us. A grace that does not change you will not save you. See, God's calling us to be separate from this world. Jehu has said, listen, get up and take him away from his companions. Take him inside this room. Pour the oil on him. The anointing of God, the anointing of God only comes in the secret place. See, 2 Corinthians Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with the ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. So we find that beautiful balance between the Word and the Spirit of God working in us, bringing that Word to life. I'm not talking about nominal praying. I'm not talking about token praying. I'm talking about getting to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, when you really know him, it dynamically changes your life. You will never be the same. Your ordination comes in the secret place. This anointing is only given in that place. The Lord gives us, and I will tell you this today, the anointing of God is the only thing that breaks yokes. It is the anointing of God that shatters the yoke of the enemy. The anointing of God is what shattered the yoke of Jezebel. You're about to see what takes place. I'm going to take you there just real quickly. In the secret place, God reveals himself. He reveals his plans. He reveals his promises. He reveals himself. He reveals his battle plans. See, the Bible in 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, The Spirit reveals these things to us. Do you lack physically, spiritually, or emotionally, then it's never based upon God. I'm going to tell you a secret. It is always based upon me. It is not based upon him. He never changes. The secret place. If you lack. If you're lacking in your life, spiritually, emotionally, physically, then you know what? You get into that secret place. And you say, God, I am going to stay here until I have the anointing of God upon my life. I am going to stay here. You know, see, when we come into that secret place, there is a draw that is made from the anointing of God. Remember the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years? She had went to every doctor. She began, she reached down and touched the hymn. She made a draw. She made a withdrawal from the anointing of God. And she says, this is what's going to change my life. That anointing is what breaks the yoke. That anointing is what brings healing. That anointing is what changes your life. That anointing is what brings bring new life to you. See, we have a choice. We can come into agreement with fear, doubt, and worry. And we can empower the enemy. See, when we come into agreement with those things, we're empowering the devil. Or we can come into agreement with heaven. And guess what happens? The kingdom comes. Mm. Think about that just for a minute. When I come into agreement with heaven, the kingdom comes. When you come into agreement with heaven, the kingdom comes. When you agree with fear, doubt, and worry, you just empowered the enemy. To rise up. 2 Kings 9, verse 4. So the young prophet went to Ramath Gilead. When he arrived, he found the army officers sitting together. I have a message for you, commander, he said. For which of us, asked Jehu. Now, I like this because Jehu, he could have been very... He, here he is, the commander of the army. He could have very easily said, Oh, you must be looking for me. But no, that humility within his life said... Uh, who is it that you want here? Who is it that you're asking for? It is you, commander, for you he can provide. Jehu got up. And he went into the house, and then the prophet poured the oil on Jehu's head and declared, this is what the Lord, the Lord God of Israel says. I will anoint you king over the Lord's people, Israel. You are to destroy the house of Ahab, your master, and I will avenge the blood of my servants and the prophets and the blood of all the, Lord's, the uh, servants shed by Jezebel. The whole house of Ahab will perish. I will cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel. Slave and free. I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, like the house of Baasha, of, of son of Ahijah. For as as for Jezebel, dogs will devour her on the plot of ground at Jezreel, the same place where she had taken old Naboth's uh, garden, and I will, and no one will bury her. And then he opened the door and he ran. Our authority, our power, is rest in the secret place. If you need power for your life, if you need power to overcome the enemy, if you need power to overcome sin in your life, it is only found in the secret place. See, Jay, who did not speak something, a lot of times what we want to do, we just say, if we keep saying it enough, keep claiming it enough, then it'll be ours. But see, what we need to know is what God is speaking before we can claim anything. See, I love to declare and decree, believe and receive. That's become my motto. Declare, decree, believe, and receive. But it only comes by if I've already heard the word, the word of the Lord. See, sometimes we, we haven't heard the word of the Lord, and we claim something, and God says, listen, that was never yours to take to start with. But, here, but I want you to look back in 1 Kings 19.70. This is, this is months earlier. He, God told Elijah... Elijah, he says, Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel. And Elijah will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. It was already prophesied. It was already spoken by the Lord. This is what's going to happen. If Jehu had went out and just said, I'm going to go attack her on my own, it would have never happened. He needed to be in the secret place. He needed to have the anointing of God. He needed to be empowered. He needed to be walking in that spirit and the power of God. That was the only way Jezebel was going to be destroyed. See, we think we're like Clark Kent. <laughs> we want to go into the phone booth, the secret place, close the door, and then we want to open it back up once and we go, I'm ready, let's go take the world. I'm telling you, it's not, it doesn't work like that in the spirit realm with God. You've got to go in there. You've got to stay in there. You've got to abide in there. You're going to have to live in there. I have it it written down like this. It's not a once, twice, or three times. It's a, it's, it's like David spending nights in the secret place before he ever slayed his first lion. He spent more nights before he slayed the bear. He spent more nights in the secret place before he ever conquered Goliath. See, what we want to do is we want to go spend a day with God and then we want to jump out into the world and say, "Listen, I'm ready to attack the world. Goliath, bring it on!" And when Goliath comes, he tears us up, and we go, "Where's my God now?" God says, listen, you, you spend time in here. I'll show you where the battles are. I will give you the battle plans. I will tell you how to come against the enemy. I will tell you how to resist the devil. I will tell you how to stand. See, we got to go in, get in, live in, stay in, abide in, remain in. we got to be separated, consecrated, and dedicated. Then when God is ready for us to emerge from the secret place, that's when we will walk in a power. That's when we will walk in authority. That's when we will be able to accomplish what God has set forth us to do but it will not happen any other way. If you're in lack, get into the secret place. God is a rewarder, the Bible says, of those who diligently seek him. I can always tell someone who hasn't spent time in the secret place, they are offended easily. Their depth in God is shallow. Their fruit is lacking, and there's a compromised lifestyle. See, pastors today even have failed. Not this one have failed to spend time in the secret place. They think they can go get a message off the internet, bring it to you, and then they, they say, God, now, now light it up for me. The only way that message is going to come forth with power and authority is when we've been, spent time with God in the secret place. That's where he imparts his plans. That's where he imparts his message. That's where he speaks. Someone who, is, who has been in the secret place isn't concerned about fighting for what they can do and what they can't do. And their freedoms and all these other things. All they're worried about is serving God. Their rights are gone because they're focused on Him. Many profess to be Christians today. This country, America, 78% say they're, they're Christians. But how many have, have spent time knowing Christ? 2 Kings 9-11 It says, when Jehu went out to his fellow officers, one of them said to him, is everything all right? Why did this maniac? Now, I'm going to tell you. When I said maniac at my church... Everybody laughed, and they knew that it was me, okay? They were talking about a maniac because that's how I operate. <laughs> I'm, I'm full bore. You know, I, and you, when, you come to, when you come to a, a service, you've you got to put your seatbelt on. Your hair is going to be slicked back because there's going to be such a, 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 a fast start. You're going to be like, what happened? What was going on there? And so um, where did this, why did this maniac come to you? Men and women of God are characterized by this. John the Baptist was. Ezekiel was. Paul was. That's what we want to be. I want to be so radical for God that people go, who is that madman? I'm not talking about obnoxious. I'm talking about what Pastor Mike says, and I've used it. He says, I want you inside to be like a rabid dog. I want you to be with veracity and with determinedness and with with, with that kind of resolve in your heart. But on the outside, I want you to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. See, that's what our lives should look like. Inside, we're a rabid dog ready to go and fight. But on the outside, just love, joy is all over us. Thank you for that, Pastor Mike. I've been using that one. You know, the man, the, you know this man, the sort of things he says, Jehu replied. That's not true, they said. Tell us. Jehu said, here is what he told me. This is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. Then, he, then they quickly took off their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. And they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. They came into an agreement. See, this week, you're getting ready to come into agreement. Some of you are going to have to put things aside that's going on in your life this week because you're going to come into agreement with what God wants to do here. You're coming into agreement with what your pastor's saying. He's heard from the Lord. He's saying, listen, this is a time. We're going to come into a time of fasting. We're going to come into a time of prayer. We're going to t- come into a time of consecration before the Lord. There's an agreement that happens. You see it with these men. Jehu could not go out and attack Jezebel on his own. The spirit of Jezebel, we've already seen Elijah, probably one of the most powerful men of God, was running for his life. Jehu, he's, these men come along, his, his army officers, they lay out their robes, they take off the outer garment, they come into agreement, they get the trumpet, they begin to sound it. They said, You know what? Listen, Jehu is king. Jehu is king. They're, they came into agreement so that they could go and be empowered for what God was about to do for their lives. That agreement is what will change. That's why we assemble together. That is why we worship together. That is why we bring the spirit of unity. The spirit of unity will push back the tide of darkness. That's what we are all called to do. We are called to invade darkness. We are not called to sit back. We are called to advance. Think about the, the armor of God. It is all advancing stuff. We advance the enemy. We don't sit back. There's nothing on our backs to protect us if we're running. That's why God says, listen, I want you to continue. And when you can't move forward, then stand. Then when you you can, you move forward again. And that's how life's been for us lately. the the enemy has said, listen, I'm going to keep pushing you. But that's, I said, you know what? That's okay. You know what? All that does is build my resistance. You think about it. When the wind is blowing, when the wind of God is blowing, they have to tie airplanes down to the tarmac. You know why? Because when that contrary wind begins to blow, there's lift in that. And God says, listen, you want to fly? You want to soar? You want to be, you want to be known with me? Then you know what? You just put, when that contrary wind comes, you just put your wings out and you begin to soar with me. This kind of agreement I'm talking about, guys, you can actually see it in the spirit. This kind of agreement doesn't find fault. This kind of agreement doesn't get offended this kind of agreement, you can almost see, I don't don't know if you've, I've sensed it with the guys that I'm praying with on on Thursday morning, when one of them begins to pray I'm like, I, I, I can almost see, I'm like, yes you know how you just want to, and that's what I begin, sometimes you have to just say is yes yes, I'm in agreement, yes, yes, just keep speaking that, yes, keep talking, that's exactly what God's saying right now in this hour you can see that in the spirit realm that's how God wants us to come into agreement you know what I'm talking about, those of you who've been in that prayer closet, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that agreement, it just breathes life into you. You go, yes, that's the word of the Lord for the moment. See, Jezebel cannot be overcome alone. Jezebel has to have a combined prayer and a cooperative effort, a unified spirit to be attacked. See, and I'm going to close here just a minute. I hope I haven't oh, my slides are okay here. Um, the two kings, Joram and ah- ah- Ahaziah, I'm just going to quickly give you the story, okay? So here, here Jehu takes off. He's, he's got his men with him, and he's in his chariot, and he's riding towards, uh, I think it's Ramoth Gilead. He's, 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 no, he's, he's heading over to get the king of Judah and the king of Israel. He's going to attack them. And the Bible says that he's riding like a madman, <laughs> a maniac again, Okay? He's riding like a man. In fact, the guy in the tower, he's looking at it. He says, I see someone coming. And the king says, Well, who is it? He says, Well, it looks like Jehu. He's riding like a madman. He's coming towards us. And he says, Okay, you know what? Go send a messenger out. Let's see what's going on. So they send a the messenger out. The first messenger goes out and meets Jehu. Jehu says, The, the, the messenger says, Hey, uh, are you coming in peace? Jehu says, What do you know about peace? What do you know about peace? Get in behind us. And the next thing you know, this guy who's came out to oppose them is in behind them in battle getting ready to go attack. He sends out another messenger. He says, he's still coming. I don't understand what's going on. He's still coming towards us. He says, send out another messenger. The other messenger goes out. And he says, hey, have you come in peace, Jehu? He says, listen, what do you know about peace? Get in behind us. The next thing you know, he's in behind him. I'm telling you what, when that spirit of God comes upon, that anointing of God, even your enemies, see, when they begin to try to curse you, all it does is bring blessing. See, when we, when we try to, when we try to be defeated, God says, listen, let that resistance build your spiritual muscles. God's doing that in our lives right now. He's lifting us up into that place. He's saying, listen, I want you to wake up. I want you to understand. I'm about to do something in this, this time. I'm about to do something in this realm that you've never seen before. Gather up, gather up. And so all of a sudden he, he, he continues towards the Kings. The first King, he pulls back his bow. He shoots it. And it's just like, it's like David, you know what? It hits its mark right between the back of his shoulder blades, puts him down. The other king, he's running around. I hear him tre- yelling, treachery, treachery, run. Jehu's on the poor path. They run. He keeps running. They, they chase him down and they kill him and destroy him too. Then Jehu, he enters the, the Je- I believe it's Jezreel. He goes in to see uh, Jezebel. And she's in the second floor window. Prettying herself up. See, this, this, this example is what exactly what's going on in the church Jezebel's all prettied up. The spirit of compromise looks so enticing. Did the the Bible really say that we can't do that? Or did he he really say that we shouldn't be living like that? Yeah. So don't do it. If it's it's gray, step over here. He comes into town. She's all dolled up. Mm. Jezebel. Jehu doesn't speak a word yet. Jezebel says, is that you son of Zimri? Zimri was a a, a leader who had overthrown his his king. He only reigned for a couple days. She was accusing him of being a a, a treason, uh, coming against what was was the authority at that time. And Jehu, here's where that unity comes in together. He says, listen, is there anybody up there who's with me? And I see three little eunuchs' heads pop up. (laughs) They pop up out of the window. If you're with me, throw her out. They throw her out, and she perishes right there. See, these men had cut themselves off from the world. See, they they had been abused. They had been mistreated by Jezebel. And when the word of God came forth, that word of God captivated them. It grabbed them. See, that's the kind of word of God. That's the kind of spirit of God that you want working in your life. When you go to 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 testify, when you go to tell your friends at work, when you tell your family, you want that kind of spirit that just captivates their heart and brings them in and brings them right at attention for God and says, Listen, I'm telling you to do this, and they do it. Not because of, of anything other than the spirit of God working, that anointing of God in your life. See, Jezebel just loves to accuse. If you, if you have this troop, truth deeply embedded in your spirit, you will be like Jehu, who did not speak a word in his defense. Defending yourself is just justifying who you are, and who you are is dead. They are speaking against the Lord. It is no longer about who you are or what you have done, but about whose you are and what he has done. Jezebel is destroyed by the anointing of God, the unity of God's people, and no compromise. I want to, today, I want this morning to be your launching pad. I want this morning to launch you into something you have never experienced before. See, 12 years ago when I was in this church, God launched me into something... I never knew what it was going to look like. Today, I want to propel you into your future and your destiny. I want to ignite you. I want to unite you. And I want to invite you into the secret place. Stop looking at the world. It's empty. God's wanting you to come into that secret place with him. He's saying, listen, this morning, I'm going to awaken your spirit, guys. I want to awaken the spirit of God that's within you. You know what? You did not come to him on your own. He awoken to that point where you came to this altar. He says, now, I want to awaken you to be that man and woman of God. I want to awaken you to the spirit of God and you breathe that life of God within you. He's waiting. He's waiting. You can turn down the lights just for a second. What I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do in just a second here, I'm just going to ask you if this message this morning has pricked your heart and said, you know what, Craig, I want to be that man and woman of God. Maybe I've slipped in areas. Maybe I've just been lazy. But right now, God's saying, listen, I'm getting ready to awaken you. If that's you, I want you to stand this morning right there in your seat. I want you to stand and I want you to just begin to say, God, you know what? You begin to make that withdrawal from the anointing of God right now. This is the awakening right now. This is the awakening that happens in your life. This is where he says, listen, I'm about to breathe life into you. The breath of God comes into you. You know what? I am going to pray over you and I'm going to pray that that life of God, that the man and woman of God begins to rise up right now in this hour. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for truth. And God, this morning as I see these men and women of God, I pray, God, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would speak life over them. Let the life of God breathe life into them. I command man, woman of God, come to life. Come to life right now in the name of Jesus. I command you. I come into agreement right now with your spirit. In the name of Jesus, man and woman of God, come to life in the name of Jesus. This is your time for anointing. This is your calling into the secret place. This is the calling right now, what God wants to do in your life. You begin to walk in that. God, I desire you. This is your week right here. This, no, I don't want it to end here. This is the beginning. I want to launch you, propel you. I want to ignite you. I want to unite you. I want to invite you into a different place than you've ever been before. Maybe you've known him for 20, 30 years. God say, listen, it's time now that you really know me, that you really know me. Hallelujah, God. Lord, we just thank you. God, we thank you. Lord, we confess right now, God, I repent of the past. God, I repent of the past. Lord, maybe my lackadaisicalness, maybe my just, my just not being where I needed to be, but God, you're drawing me into that secret place today. God, I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, God, that the breath of God will begin to blow upon our backs. God, that Spirit of God would begin to blow upon us. And God, that we would set our hands out like sails right now. That breath of God begins to blow upon us. The Bible says that we are car- the men of God in the past were carried along by the Spirit. I see like a sailboat. And you know what? They put their- the sail up and that wind begins to drive them. God, begin to drive these people, I pray. In the name of Jesus, God, that they can accomplish that which you want them to do in this hour. I thank you, Lord.